All right, you ready for this? Ready. Hey everyone, this is Tom Salemi. I'm the editorial director of Device Talks, the events, but I'm also the former podcast host of the MedTech Talk podcast. I joined the Device Talks events a few months ago because I really wanted to organize meetings for more of MedTech. I'm going to tell you more about the Device Talks events going forward, but right now I want to focus on what you're listening to, which is a Device Talks weekly podcast. We're going to be bringing you a Device Talks podcast, much like MedTech Talk. We'll be focusing on interviews with MedTech leaders, but I wanted to tap into the great resource that we have here at Device Talks. I work with great reporters at Mass Device and Medical Design and Outsourcing. We talk each week, we review the stories of the day, and I wanted to bring those conversations to you in this podcast. I'll be joined by Chris Newmarker. Chris is the executive editor of Life Sciences here. He oversees Mass Device and MDO. And Chris and I uh, kind of have clicked from the start. We've only been working together for a few months, but uh, really uh, enjoy our conversations together. So it made sense to uh, bring these talks to you. So each week we're going to focus on the news of the week. Right now that news is centered around COVID-19, but this will change. Normalcy will return and we'll be bringing you device talks weekly each week, giving you a highlight of the med tech news that you need to know. Mass Device does a great job. MDO does a great job. And we want to make sure you're aware of the stories they're breaking. So Please tune in each week. You can listen to this on the ride home once you're working in an office again. But until then, take the dog for a walk, hop on the treadmill, plug this in, and get up to date on what's going on MedTech. We'll also talk to leaders in the MedTech industry, talking today with Raj Anoy of Jeffries about how all of this has impacted MedTech stocks. Raj was kind enough to take a few minutes to talk to us. So uh, I'm really happy about this project, about Device Talks Weekly. I'm really, really happy to be bringing you the Device Talks podcast. That'll be coming out next week. Again, we'll be talking to CEOs, VCs, and other leaders in the medtech industry. So so buckle up, folks. We're going to give you some great medtech information going forward. Now, let's get into this conversation with my colleague and pal, Chris Newmarker, Executive Editor of Life Sciences. So I'm not exactly a podcast historian, but I'm willing to bet that no podcast has ever been let off with the question, Chris, were you able to find toilet paper yesterday? No, I wasn't. No, no toilet paper. You know, it was, it was amazing. <laughs> I mean, you know, you know, things are really bad when you go to Costco and there's no, no toilet paper. Uh, I told you, check out Staples. That might be the secret. We have 12 rolls around the house. I think we'll, we'll be fine for, for a bit. Well, <laughs> hopefully the, the toilet paper panic will, uh, will end soon. Well, we're not here to talk about toilet paper. We're here, obviously, to talk about MedTech. Uh, this is our first yep. episode of Device Talks Weekly. This is pretty exciting. I've, I haven't had a device podcast partner before, so this is fun. Yeah, this is really fun. Um, too bad we're uh, we're starting this off uh, during uh, some, some pretty uh, crazy, terrible, interesting times. But uh, but yeah, I think uh, I'm looking forward to, to the kind of insights we're going to hopefully be able to provide to people. So let's let's focus on that. We are starting this off in the age of uh, COVID nineteen, and uh, the whole world is impacted, including and maybe in particular the, the med tech world. Uh, I'm wondering, from the coverage that you folks at uh, Mass Device have been doing this week, what uh, what were some of the uh, I guess most read stories, which I guess we can extrapolate to be the most concerning issues regarding uh, 
COVID-19? Well, I mean, the thing that got the most uh, attention from our audience this week was uh, was just like, you know, just, um, I mean, actually just how, you know, poorly medical device stocks are, are performing, you know, along with the rest of the market. I mean, some, I mean, some people I talk to, you know, would, you know, have, have kind of this idea that, oh, you know, like the device industry overall is fairly recession proof. After all, people get sick, they need mm -hmm. devices. And so, and, you know, this pandemic's going to require like a ton, ton of medical devices to fight it. So of course the device industry is going to, you know, their stocks aren't going to be, you know, doing as poorly as the, as the overall markets, but, um, you know, they actually are. I'll talk with uh, Raj Denoya Jeffries in a little bit about this this subject, but uh, it's clear that uh, one of the more vulnerable parts uh, of the medtech industry is uh, are those providers or those uh, manufacturers who uh, who provide implants for elective surgery. I think in particular orthopedics. Oh, exactly. I mean, that's kind of what I heard from Raj, and we'll, we'll hear some more from him about that soon. You know, I also spoke with uh, Debbie Wang, a, a senior analyst over at Morningstar, and you know, and, and really, yeah, that is the big message that. I mean, the epidemiologists are are, are saying that our, our hospitals are going to be get get really overcrowded this year as 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 we fight this pandemic, and uh, there there's not going to be room for people who need knee surgeries or hip surgeries. Those are going to have to wait while we uh you know while we you know help all these people who uh, who uh, who you know, are going to need you know need need ventilation need need help um you know with this uh with this virus so. You know, at least at least on the short term, um, companies that are you know making a lot of devices that are using elective surgeries, uh, you know, they're they're going to see like a really big sales hit, and I, I think that that does really seem to be a big story about why the the device industry isn't uh, immune from the you know coronavirus uh, you know stock market decline we're seeing. Hey everyone, so this seems like a good time to take a break from my conversation with Chris and talk with Raj Dinoy. Raj is the Managing Director at Equity Research at Jefferies. He's an analyst, and Chris talked to him earlier this week for an article that appeared on Mass Device. You can find that on massdevice.com. Raj and I talked early on Friday morning. Well, Raj Dinoy, thanks for joining us. No, thank you. So Raj, how long have you been doing what you're doing on Wall Street? Uh, so I've been following the medical device sector for about 20 years now. Um, I've been at Jefferies, my current shop, for about 10 years, always on the equity research side, you know, tracking the medical device industry and, and companies within it. And, and how weird has this week been compared to all others? Uh, you know, it, it's been relatively unprecedented. Um, you know, the pace at which things have changed over the last, uh, you know, two, three weeks has been um, sort of staggering. You know, if you really think back to just a month ago, this was just... Uh, you know, something people were starting to get worried about, and now it's kind of become a full-blown crisis. Um, and obviously, the equity markets have rolled over, and people are still um, trying to, I think, assess where all this goes. But um, so it's been sort of unprecedented. But I guess, you know, uh, having done this for a while, going back to, you know, 2008 and even, you know, all the way back to, to September 11th, I mean, there's been periods of dislocation before. So, um, so sure. again, unprecedented, I suppose, in most of our recent memories, but certainly not in the stock market. Well, the first question I have is just uh, how did the med tech sector fare overall? Um, well, if if one looks at, uh, you know, kind of picking a date and time, right? So um, maybe the 24th of, of February when things really started to take hold, um, you know, the IHI, which is the medical device ETF that we use to sort of track the industry is down about 21% uh, through yesterday, S&P down about 26%. 
the XBI, which is the biotech index, is down about 27%. So I think generally speaking, we've, we've fared a little bit better than, than the broader markets and other sectors within healthcare. Uh, healthcare overall, um, you know, I think is has fared a bit better than the broader markets, but um, I think we certainly haven't been immune by any any stretch. So what, overall, what are companies saying about the impact that all of this is having on their sales and manufacturing? Any stories out there that can sort of best represent the problems that the med tech sector is dealing with at large? You know, probably a couple thoughts there. I mean, I think getting back to that original comment about how this is sort of a rapidly evolving situation. You know, when this first started to become an issue in China, and then ultimately in Italy, we we saw companies um, coming out and talking about the impact they were seeing on procedure volumes in those countries, those geographies. Uh, some companies came out um, and talked about how uh, elective procedure volumes in in China, for instance, were down 85 to 90 percent in the month of February, and that had continued into early March. Uh, some of the more recent updates have now um, started to talk a bit more about the impact in in Europe and Italy in particular, starting to see some impact in in elective volumes in those geographies. Um, I think what what is uh, still a little bit unknown though is what's happening in the United States. And so, as this becomes a um, bigger concern, not just in terms of you know the volumes of of infected patients, but also in terms of the perception amongst even healthy people about what they should be doing in this period. Uh, mm -hmm. People, I think, are starting to think about what what that does to elective procedure volumes here. Um, you know, and to that end, we we did a little survey just this week, actually on on a Wednesday morning. We fielded this survey with um, 62 um, clinicians. We had orthopedic surgeons, interventional cardiologists, anesthesiologists, um, asking uh, frontline doctors what they were seeing in terms of procedure volumes. And while most of them haven't seen any impact, about 23% of them, so a little less than a quarter, had already started to see some impact in their procedure volumes. It was still relatively minor, but but it was starting to happen already. And I think also most of them, I think the number was 55%, thought it was going to increase. Um, and most of them also said that their hospitals were already starting to prepare for uh, moving resources to take care of, uh, uh, of COVID-19 as opposed to doing elective procedures. And so... I guess it just fills into that that same argument that this is sort of rapidly evolving, right? And and the the impact it, on procedure volumes is, I think, what people are most um, focused on over the next you know six months or so, even beyond that, depending on how long this takes. I'd be willing to wager if you did that survey this morning on the thirteenth that the numbers would be different, given that all that's that's Agreed. broken over the last forty eight hours. Yeah, and that's that's what's amazing, right? So that was just when literally we fielded it Wednesday morning, mm -hmm. so we. We put it. We put it out Tuesday evening, and we got all the responses by by Wednesday midday. So, to your point, in the span of forty eight hours, it's changed quite a bit. So, finally, looking forward, uh, what will you be watching for over the next few weeks to to sort of see if things are turning up? I hope, or or turning down. Are there some indicators, some bellwethers out there that we should be looking for? Uh, so, I suppose at a very high level, you know, people are starting to investors, us as well. We're looking at how exposed device companies ultimately are to any slowdown in the economy, right? And so uh, what I'm referring to there is, you know, are these companies levered? How 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 uh, well capitalized are them? Are they to to um, ride through any storm, any protracted period of redu or reduced volumes and ultimately reduced revenues? And for the most part, you know, medical device companies are, 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 are in good shape, right? So most of these companies are not heavily levered. They don't have near-term maturities that are going to be draining their cash positions. And so for the most part, I think they're relatively safe at this point on that front. But then it becomes just this question about you know, what, what, do, what do earnings look like over the next couple of years? And I think one of the interesting observations as well is if one looks at the 
the EPS estimates for um, for the IHI again using that medical device ETF. We haven't seen any capitulation yet, so the earnings, the outlook for those companies has not started to come down. So analysts like myself have not started to go in and reassess how we're, mm-hmm. uh, you know, our earnings outlooks for these companies, and that is going to start to happen. And so, I think what investors should start to prepare for is sort of a negative revision cycle in in earnings and um, and how to really address that. Uh, and, and and but I guess you know the, the the offset to that though is these stocks have already um, come down quite a bit in terms of valuations, right? And so with the group down about twenty one percent, the valuations have commensally already collapsed somewhat, and so. Now it's just a question of how you know how the numbers ultimately match that, and that's what we're going to be focused on. Um, you know, having said all that, though, I think one of the areas we're suggesting people continue to look is the companies which are a bit more immune, so companies whose procedures are not elective or that can't be delayed indefinitely. I think those companies probably still represent some level of safety in this environment. Um, so you know we're getting to the point where I think people are starting to look for those types of names on a relative basis. Can you identify any specific companies that perhaps may be holding holding most steady? Uh, so one name we've we've tried to get people to focus on is Edwards Life Sciences. EW is a ticker. So again, the the, uh, the maker of transcatheter heart valves. Um, there is a a modest elective nature to this, right? So people can push out getting a aortic valve replacement, aortic valve replacement, um, but you can't do it indefinitely. You know, once you get diagnosed with severe aortic stenosis, you're your prognosis is pretty grim. Um, and so doing it sooner rather than later is definitely advised. Um, and so there's a relative level of safety in that company. But you know, when, if things get really bad out there, I suppose everything becomes somewhat elective. Um, but that one we're sort of highlighting is one that perhaps doesn't have as much exposure as maybe a company like Zimmer or Stryker, which you know do a lot of orthopedic procedures and these can be delayed you know, really indefinitely. Um, so Edwards is one we're focusing on. Well, thanks for your time, Raj, and, uh, and best of luck with everything going forward. We hope to have you back on the podcast uh, in the future. Sure, no problem. Thank you. All right, now it's time to get back into my conversation with my pal Chris Newmarker. But before I do, I want to let you know we have some Device Hawks events on the books. We have two coming up in June. We've got June 1st and 2nd in Minneapolis. That's Device Talks Minnesota. Then June 23rd and 24th, we have Device Talks West. That's in San Jose. Finally, our big one is Device Talks Boston. That'll be September 24th and 25th, of course, in Boston, my hometown. Our events in June are currently scheduled to go on. We have not made any changes, but we are, of course, monitoring the situation. So please do stay tuned. We obviously want to make sure we do right by our sponsors and our attendees and the MedTech community. So if you have any questions, reach out to me. I'm on Twitter at MedTechTom. You can reach me via email, tsalemi at wtwhmedia.com. Now let's get back into my talk with Chris. And I think the, the issue that's impacting most of America, at least healthy America, we joked about toilet paper at the start. Yeah, that's certainly a concern, but more, more, uh, more drastically, more dangerously, we're seeing a shortage of, of supplies for hospitals, 3M in particular. I know you folks wrote about that this week. How is the uh, supply chain looking for, for, for MedTech? I mean, they're, they're really seeing there seems to be a lot of issues with, uh, you know, with the uh, demand right now outstripping the supply. I mean, if you just take 3M as an example, I mean, they make the um, N95, uh, you know, respirator masks that, are supposed to be like some of the best masks you could wear 
in uh, you know, in healthcare setting to you know protect yourself uh, from you know an airborne pathogen like like COVID nineteen. And um, I mean, not only has you know has the, have the supplies been drained down because of the like epic fight that uh, you know China was waging against this virus, but at the same time, you have a ton of panic buying. You know, people, you know, regular people who don't. You know these masks probably aren't going to help them that much. At least that—that's at least what the I, I see the experts and you know the media reports you know saying. You know they don't—they don't really need them, but they're panicking and they're buying them, and that means that uh, you know that's just even less masks that uh, that you know that are available for for the hospitals, and that's bad because you know these um, you know the doctors, the nurses, the healthcare providers—they um, you know they need these masks to feel safe while they're uh, you know trying to you know save our lives. So, I mean, that's that's kind of where we are. And, you know, 3M, you know, they, they had a news release saying early this month, they were talking about a plan in Aberdeen, South Dakota that makes, makes these masks. They're running around the clock. They're hiring workers around the world. They're adding chefs. They're ramping up the production lines. But, you know, they're still, you know, they're doing, they, they, they appear to be doing everything, you know, like really everything they can. But, you know, it, it, they're, they're, they're just not meeting the supply right now. Yeah, that that is interesting, and I, and I wasn't aware that they were uh, going to be adding shifts and, and and adding workers, and and that certainly is is hopeful. Uh, I guess we'll see once the COVID nineteen actually hits significantly uh, how that impacts the workforce and the ability to to produce these supplies going forward. But I don't know. It's, clearly, it it seems as if clearly we were as an industry and as a nation. And I know this is beyond both your pay grade and my pay grade, but you know we, we've been running with such a very fine margin all these years, making sure there isn't much inventory available. Uh, I think things likely will change in the future. I think they have to. I think in the future we, uh, I think we definitely better be prepared more because you know this, we live in an interconnected world, and you know we're going to see you know more uh, you know. And the nice thing is that you know people you know we have so much interaction between people in the world, and you know and and this is you know bringing us closer together, and you know but at the same time as we're bringing ourselves closer closer together, we're uh, sharing our diseases, including ones that uh, you know that can uh, kill a lot of people. That's that's an interesting point, and. In a in macabre way, speaking of bringing people together, the other area that we've seen impacted in medtech and everywhere really is just the, the the public gathering and the conferences. I mean, this is something that hits uh, device talks in particular. Obviously, our principal business is putting together events. We still do have our two events in June, the one in Minneapolis and the one in San Jose. They're still scheduled at the moment, but we're obviously keeping an eye on the situation. We've developed a policy that uh, basically will protect any sponsor or attendee financially, uh, if they are signed up and they opt not to be part of it, we completely understand. I mean, we're all in this together and we don't want to, we don't want to take any money we don't earn or keep any money we don't earn. So we're, we're working toward that end right now, but we also need to look obviously at the global scale and, and see how that really will impact in June. At this point, it's really difficult to say, although as we've said, the day, as the days go by, uh, the situation looks more and more, uh, um, yeah, more and more dangerous. So we'll we'll keep our uh, our sponsors and our attendees posted. But more broadly, I mean, how do you feel that uh, this cancellation of all our all medtech events? We've seen the AOS canceled. We've seen other canceled uh, other events canceled. How yeah, is hymns? Yeah, hymns. What are uh, are you talking with folks about the impact of that on their businesses and I guess on them on them personally? 
I mean, I've always had the sense, I mean, all these events uh, are, are, are really important, you know, to, to kind of further the innovation that, that, that we see in the med tech space. I mean, there's just nothing like having a bunch of people together, being able to meet face to face and network, um, you know, to have, you know, clinical studies rolled out. I mean, these, I mean, you've been to about as many of these events and I think probably more events than, than I have. And I mean, the, I mean, this is kind of where, you know, the clinical studies get rolled out, results get rolled out, where the new products get rolled out, where you, you know, get, get a sneak peek into what different companies are doing, you know, and, you know, like potential business deals get done, you know, get, get started at, at these types of events. Um, and you know it's uh yeah i it's it's going to be really interesting to see what happens going forward i mean i don't i don't see i mean it's definitely mm -hmm. going to have a real dent i think on the ability of people in the industry to network maybe they'll get more creative maybe we'll have more video conferencing and you know webcasts and whatever but uh but you still I mean, it's just hard for me to see in the long run, how you can really replace, you know, what you can get out of having face-to-face -face meetings. I mean, I mean, we're, I mean, just like, you know, I mean, human beings, we take so many visual cues when we communicate with people and even over a video conference, some of those things get lost. It's definitely real. I was talking with a CEO of a commercial stage privately held MedTech earlier this week, and they had a European meeting canceled where they were going to roll out their their new product and they're going to show it to physicians. And, and it's one of these disruptive technologies that I think you have to sort of see to quote unquote believe. And now they can't do that this year. And what does that do for their uh, projection going forward? What does it do for their burn rate? What does it do for their hiring of a sales force? I mean, there's, this, there's a very large trickle down effect to all of this. And, and to your other point, I was talking with a manufacturer yesterday who, number one, they, they manufacture in Europe. So they were shocked by, uh, by the declaration that travel from Europe would be banned at least for 30 days. They initially worried it was going to be products. Didn't know how they would get their products into the U.S. when they learned it was just people. That was a bit of a relief. But as he said, you don't close deals over the phone. You don't close deals over computer. You close deals in person. So if you can't see people and talk to them and show them and, and support them in their decision, then it's going to make doing business harder for everybody. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, you don't want to like line up some med tech plant overseas that you never visited. I mean, you want to visit exactly. the place. I mean, it's, I mean <laughs> who knows? I mean, who knows what it is otherwise, right? Uh, I mean, I, I here here's one thing. This thought that I've had um, about this too is that I mean, I think it's it's already been it, it already was more difficult to start a medical device company outside one of the big hubs. I mean, the big hubs in the United States are are you know Boston. Twin Cities, you know, Minneapolis, St. Paul, uh, you know, Northern California, Southern California, especially Orange County in Southern California. So, I mean, if you weren't in one of those big hubs, it already was difficult because, you know, you had all the, these, you know, contract manufacturer networks, experts, you know, you know, the big, the big companies you're hoping might invest in you or acquire you eventually, you know, all those things were based around those hubs already. You know, the, the big net, these big networking events that drew in people from across the country or all over the world were then, you know, even more important because this is the way you could get in and network and, you know, still get things done. I mean, you know, in, in some ways, you know, maybe this is going to make it just even more important to be in one of the hubs, you know, down the road because, you know, at least, you know, like, I mean, you will have, no matter what, you always will have like networking events in those hubs and they'll be, you know, ways to you know go and meet people if you're based there but mm -hmm. um you know it's um 
in a way. It's, it could make it just even more harder to, you know, we'd like to see, you know, more innovation and more and even more, you know, clusters of innovation around the United States. It might make it even, even harder to do so. You, you, it, there might be even more of this pressure that, okay, you got a really neat idea. Well, you're going to have to move to Minneapolis or you're going to have to move to Boston or, or, you know, or, or you know, go to Silicon Valley to, to get this done. Oh, and or Irvine. I'll throw in Irvine too. I shouldn't forget Irvine. I'm sure some others will tell us of, of hubs that were future hubs or future hubs that we're forgetting. But perhaps the flip side of though that will be if during this experience we'll learn how to work remotely more effectively. Maybe we'll open the door for innovators outside of those hubs to collaborate and to to get products done. I'm sure we're gonna see some changes from uh, some of our device talks partners, the product development companies and manufacturing companies looking at ways to mitigate the inability to travel in the future because i have to think that this isn't going to be the last time we we have this experience so uh it will be interesting to see what the long-term impact is yeah what was that old saying like necessity is the mother of invention i mean here we go we got we got a lot of necessity so well uh you know it we could uh you know, we could could get through all all this, and you know, people were like, "Hey, this wasn't so bad working at home." Uh, you know, "Hey, this," uh, you know, "maybe I don't need to travel as much." That's bad news for the airlines and the hotels. Uh, but you know, maybe we'll uh, we'll get we'll get more efficient, and uh, we'll get a few extra loads of dishes done because we're we're working around the house. We'll need more toilet paper at home. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, <laughs> with that left in everyone's mind. Kind of circle it around on the toilet paper. Exactly. So, <laughs> uh, so this, is, uh, this is our new Device Talks weekly podcast. Chris and I are going to be get together. We'll bring other folks from the Mass Device editorial team who are doing really great stuff. You should check it out at massdevice.com if you haven't already. Uh, and you can uh, find information about our Device Talks events at devicetalks.com. But... Uh, this is a new thing for for Chris and, and for me, so we'd love to get feedback both on this podcast, but uh, on any of the issues we're talking about as well. I can be reached directly at uh, T Salemi. That's T S A L E M I at W T W H Media dot com, and I'm also on Twitter. I am at MedTechTom, and Chris, uh, why don't you share your information as well? Hey, you can reach me at C Newmarker, C just like a new marker at uh, WTWHmedia.com. And I'm at, at Newmarker on, on Twitter. So yeah, I would love to hear your feedback. Thanks to everyone for, uh, for joining us on this, uh, on this first podcast. And uh, we'll be back next week with another episode of Device Talks Weekly. 